As Samuel L. Jackson has recently said in a brand new interview with Collider, I think there's room for everyone to exist out here. The fact that it's not working or doesn't work or people want a specific thing, that's what makes the movies the movies and audiences audiences. Hopefully, DC will make one of these movies one day and it'll be as big as a Marvel movie. Welcome to Nerd Out. My name's Sandro Felcher. Joining me is Rob Lloyd. Greetings. And today we will indeed be discussing the uh, the plans for DC's universe. They put out three films so far. Neither of them have been particularly amazing. We're going to discuss the future and fix the DCEU, which will be quite fun, I think. I, I look. I've got my I've got my surgical gloves on. I have my scalpel ready, <laughs> and uh, it is time for us to. Go to work. Much like Hawkeye and BJ Honeycutt, we're going to you know, have some wisecracks as we open up this uh, dying soldier of a film franchise and try mm. to bring it back to life at the, uh, the Korean War that is uh, the current DCU uh, cinematic world. Yes, yes. We're also going to be discussing why it's called the DC Extended Universe, because that name is really bad. Uh, so we'll talk about that later. Um, but uh, you've been to the cinemas recently to see a remake that a lot of people aren't liking, but um, according to Facebook, you liked it quite a bit. I did, yeah. I went off and saw uh, the reboot of Pete's Dragon, because uh, oh, Disney yeah. are currently in their uh, state of taking all their old animated films or classic films mm. and uh, you know remaking them for a modern audience. So we started with Maleficent, and then they did um, uh, they've done Jungle Book, which was mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think Cinderella, they did that as well, which came out last year, which wasn't they too did. bad, actually. It wasn't too bad. Yeah, 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 with, um, with Rob Stark as... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Alan Bolton Carter as uh, the uh, fairy godmother, and Kate Blanchett playing the uh, Wicked Stepmother. So it was mm. a yeah, cast. But yeah, so I went... Um, and those ones I wasn't too interested in. I mean, after seeing Pete's Dragon, I borrowed out Jungle Book, and I loved it, which I'd seen it on mm. the big screen. So uh, Pete's Dragon was... Um, uh, originally released as a, it's a Disney musical, and uh, Pete, this like orphan child, was adopted by uh, swamp people, as it were, played by Shelley Winters and a couple of others. Um, and to help him out of this situation, he had an imaginary, I use him very commas, uh, friend who was uh, Elliot, who was a, uh, a dragon, and they all realized Elliot through um, a combination of live action, and Elliot was you know hand drawn animation, much like the mm. classic painting scene in uh, Mary Poppins and some of the underwater sequences in under, in Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Yep. And so then he's discovered by um, uh, this uh, wonderful lady whose uh, husband, fiancé, boyfriend is uh, out missing at sea and she looks after the, the lighthouse played by Helen Reddy, great Aussie singer. And as an actress, she was a really good singer. And Mickey Rooney's <laughs> in there as well as a the crazy old drunk father. And Jim Dale's this sort of like snake oil salesman who... Uh, he wants to find the, the dragon and chop him up and sell him for bits. So, yeah, it was a musical. It was high energy. It was a lot of light, fluffy entertainment. Um, it was, you know, wasn't a massive hit or a classic. So they've remade it now and they've set it in this sort of like magical late 70s, early 80s twilight era. It's sort of like reflective era that has become really popular now, you know? Mm. So with Stranger Things and uh, and uh, all the stuff we talked about last, last podcast, this is another 
era of that pushes it very gently though not pushed hardcore as um stranger things so it's only dated by the clothing and by the decor so there's no mobile phones there's not much major technology it's all very stripped back Uh, in this version uh pete is actually you know he's the only survivor of a car accident which his parents are killed in and he stumbles into the 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 woods where he's uh saved by Elliot the dragon, who's about to be attacked by wolves, and he stays out in the in the in the woods for six years, just being protected by Elliot. And he's mm. uh, stumbled across by a park ranger, played by Brass Dallas Howard, and so like it's all connected with you know bringing Pete back into the community, the logging uh, side of things as well. We've got Carl Urban plays a plays the naughty brother of. Jack, played by Wes Bentley, who's uh, engaged to Bryce Dallas Howe's character. So the, all these things are connected. But it's shot beautifully. It was shot in New Zealand, and um, the script is really straightforward and really mm. basic. The beautiful soundtrack. And actually, you know, I'm not a big fan of Bryce Dallas Howard, um, but I actually quite liked her. I thought it was one of the best things she's done. She did a lot better in Peach Dragon than she did in um, Jurassic Park, I felt. <laughs> she, uh, Wes Bentley, it's the best thing he's done since... Um, American Beauty, and I actually you know, preferred him in this because his character in American Beauty was a bit of a dick. And uh, it's the best thing Robert Redford's done in a long time. You know, Winter Soldier, he was great in, but this, you actually get to see him, you know, a bit of variety and a bit relaxed and just, you know, enjoying himself. The child actors are great. Carl Urban gives a little bit of color and shape to a quite two-dimensional baddie. So, yeah, it's just, I think it's just beautifully shot and beautifully um directed and there's a great tone and feel to the whole thing and that's what i like about it. it's quite a low-key film for a mm, disney good. film but i hope it uh hope it gets a bit of momentum yes earlier this year i uh, along with many people watched the tv show called preacher uh which is a adaptation of the comic book series which ran from i think it was 1996 ish to like very early 2000s uh, and recently, I've been reading the comics. All I've heard, I've never read any preacher, um, much as I've been criticised for it. But um, <laughs> how, how are you finding it? Apparently, it's a more intense read than uh, most comic books you see. It really is. I'm not really sure how to explain it. First of all, the big announcement was the preacher TV show. The first season is basically going to be a prequel to the comics. Um, which was quite interesting, kind of sets up all the characters in a very interesting way, uh, and the TV show really works. So I thought, I'll watch the show, and then I'll jump in with the comic book. Uh, And one of the big things that I've noticed, one of the major differences, is that the TV show is kind of set in reality, which I kind of like. It's very kind of tongue-in-cheek and much more satirical, and then the comic book kind of throws a lot of that out the window. It is... As you said, quite intense. It is just very violent, very um, raunchy as well, and it's just kind of got everything in it, um, which leads to a very interesting read. Uh, I was reading it in public the other day and kind of felt ashamed for it. Uh, one particular storyline. Did you feel a bit perverted? Yeah, kind of, but like in a good way, which I guess is kind of the same character arc as the main character, so... Andrew Felcher, reading Preacher, felt dirty and perverted in a good way. (laughs) Yes, uh, that is a quote that you can use if you want. 
So that's far, that's, far more, that's far more evocative than just saying it was interesting. I like that saying when you read it, you feel perverted mm. and in a good way. That's far more interesting. We could quote that. We can put it on banners. You can put that on the you know, exactly. the next series of, you know, you'll feel perverted and dirty in a good way. Sandra Felcher, no doubt. Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a really unique comic book series that I can't really explain either. Because if I say the plot to it, it kind of spoils the complete first season of Preacher, which is making them really hard to recommend to some friends, because you can't really <laughs> recommend it without then spoiling the entire plot. But it is quite good, as I said. It's kind of what it's kind of westerny in the way that it's set out. It's quite satirical. It pokes fun at religion mainly, but also a lot of um cliche comic book tropes and it's got some very interesting characters and uh, some very unique supernatural elements so i would highly recommend both the tv show and the comic book series yeah and the tv show is um led by dominic cooper who you know comic book fans would know as playing um the young version of uh uh howard stark mm. in not only uh, captain america uh, the first avenger but also in and brilliantly in Agent Carter series one and two. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you've also got Ruth Negger in it. She plays Tulip O'Hare, which is uh, the main character's ex-girlfriend. You may know her. She was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for quite a bit. She, she was the girl in the flowery dress, and then she had a very big story arc in season two. It's also developed by Seth Rogen. So if you're into his style of comedy, this show is nothing like it. <laughs> it's very different for him, which is um, which is good. So, and uh, can you see any sort of like Seth Rogen tropes, or is he just in the background in a production capacity? You can see that he likes how messed up it is, and he kind of works his way into that. But it's not the same as most Seth Rogen films, which I personally feel like have a really good draw card, a good premise, but the execution itself is a bit sloppy. Uh, whereas yeah. here, he's kind of got everything right, which is which is really cool. Excellent, excellent stuff. So yeah, that's Preacher, Pete's Dragon, two recommendations for yourself, the listener. Now to move on to the big discussion point, which is the DC Cinematic Universe, or Extended Universe, as Wikipedia likes to call it. Uh, yeah. So far, we've had three films come out, Man of Steel, which wasn't bad, it was just kind of eh. We had Batman vs. Superman, which a lot of people didn't like, I didn't mind it. Uh, and then we also had the widely successful this film has um i think like it's earned more than the winter soldier which is scary suicide squad is the latest film in the universe and of course next year we're going to get wonder woman and justice league it's made in the top 50 films of all time in america it has yeah i don't know why a lot of people have been saying it's because um you know well you know people didn't listen to the critics but also it, beca- it came out at a time when there was nothing else in the mm. cinema. Yeah. It was really a dry spot, and so there wasn't much in the way of big escapism films to see. So people True. flocked to it. It did very well internationally as well, yeah. but it did incredibly well locally as well. So, like, it, despite you know all its misgivings, I think the main reason why it's done so well is because it, despite how badly it's executed, basic premise is something we haven't seen in a comic book film 
in a yep. while, focusing on the villains. And so no matter how badly it was executed or how complicated and messy it was all put together, that fundamental concept of showing the villains to be the actual mm-hmm. heroes of the story is something that really was appealing. It goes outside, you know, because... Marvel have never done anything like that. All their stories are very much in the same style and the same format and they get a little bit of criticism because it's all like a cookie-cutter movie process. You get what you you know, you know pay for. It's very safe in the, the Marvel mm. universe. why they've become so successful. Whereas the mess and the confusion that is <laughs> the organization of the DC uh, cinematic universe, extended universe, as you were, um, is doing things that you will never see in the Marvel universe, and that's what I think people are embracing exactly. because they focus on style and substance. So people have already picked up on the Harley Quinn, you know, cosplay. You know, it's only been out like two months, but already at cons all across the world, you know, there are multiple Harley Quinn cosplayers, and people are finally embracing this, you know, darker side of, of the cinematic universe in comic books. Because, yeah, you know, definitely. Start with that, despite everything working against it it's really established itself in cinema history and it's you know uh and within you know help carry on the the ambling you know fledgling dc universe because it needs a lot of help it does it does it's made a lot of money the universe but it does need a bit of help and that's what we are here to do uh they have taken quite a few missteps and i'm sure that they will take some more in the future but we're going to try and help them through the minefield that is critics (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah and and mainstream cinema audiences as well yeah yes uh so the next film that, that they are putting out is wonder woman as i said that would then be followed by justice league we got the flash in there an aquaman solo movie shazam for some reason a justice league sequel cyborg and the green latin Corps, which is quite cool and they need to fit in within the next year and a half as well they're planning to fit in somewhere although it hasn't been released into the official schedule but it has been confirmed um the standalone batman film written directed and starring yes. uh, Mr. Affleck. yeah uh the batman film and apparently they're also working on a, a birds of prey-esque film with harley quinn and batgirl and possibly poison ivy i read somewhere that she could be involved in it yeah, well, Margaret is very eager to you know do a standalone like and spin-off, and you know, she wants to produce it and stuff like that. Uh, so, with the upcoming slate of films, Rob, are you excited for <laughs> what the DC Cinematic Universe has to offer? Look, I um because I'm a born born and bred DC man, so I was born and raised on in the DC universe. So I, I collected all all comic books, even you know Marvel and DC combined. But I was had a soft spot for the DC universe because I was raised on, you know, Super Friends and the Christopher Reeve Batman movie. Mm. Uh, Superman movie, sorry. But but yeah, so I've got this, you know, innate connection to the to the DC universe. Too. I just want it to do well, and no, and I get really angry when it doesn't work. There are some yeah. people who are definitely going, no, these are great films. No, these are very very good. And I don't think they are. There are elements in there, but they're getting too caught up in, you know. It's been controlled by committees and boards and, and mm. money makers. And I could see, you know, they bring in talented directors to do things in their own unique way. That's something that DC does well, and they should keep on doing that, bringing in a variety of different directors and a variety of different styles to set themselves apart from the Marvel Universe, which is you sign up to direct a Marvel Universe film, you have to fit within certain criteria. That's why, you know, Joss Whedon had issues with it and, um, you know, the famous falling out with, Edgar Wright over Ant-Man. Whereas 
you know, the DC universe is more open to bringing in a wide range of directors. Like David Ayer is a completely different director and a different style to, say, um, Zack Snyder. Mm. But, and they've, they've strangled their creativity, His, especially David Ayer's with, um, with Suicide Squad. He didn't, they didn't let him make the film he wanted. It's been too taken over by marketing and business and all, and it shows. It clearly yeah. shows. So they need, they need to trust the artistic vision more. They need, and they also need a, 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 a Kevin Feige or Feige? Yeah, the guy from Marvel. He's the one vision who goes, okay, this is the vision, this is what we stick to. And so he, everyone has to resort back to him. And they haven't really had that with the DC world, but they brought on uh, Jeff Johns. Mm-hmm. He's now you know, a very you know, famous, influential DC writer. And uh, uh, you know, he, he rebooted Green Lantern and many other uh, the classic character, so he's been brought in to be that guide, that vision, but hasn't he hasn't really been able to step into his authority yet? So give him that authority, but still allow these very different styles of films to be made because mm. you know they don't have to worry about fitting all under the same banner like uh, Marvel. They can actually create completely different movies that are all under the same world, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, I know that um, one of the main reasons that Jeff Johns was brought on was because of the. I would say the unfortunate hate towards Zack Snyder. Unfortunately, I know that during Comic-Con he got booed at quite a bit, which is never nice. Um, See, he was, he was brought on to do Man of Steel, which was just meant to be a one-off. And, you know, he oversaw things. You know, um, Christopher Nolan oversaw things because DC was still looking at him as the Messiah because of his Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. And so, well, I'll just produce it, but I'll kind of guide Zack Snyder through it. And so they made Man of Steel, and it was you know, a flawed film, but it was a box office success. And they said, well, this is the springboard we need to lead into this new cinematic universe. And they said, well, who are we going to do it? Who are we going to do it? Well, Zack did that one. Let's carry on with Zack Snyder. But Zack Snyder isn't really a, you know, a franchise leader. He's a filmmaker. He wants to go on and do different things and move on. To- so they yeah. said, well, let's put him in charge of the vision, the look, the appeal, and that will be what we base our universe on, which is a big mistake because Marvel had theirs controlled by an independent source. So Kevin Feige is a producer. He can control the money. He has the best interests of the characters at heart, and he can oversee everything as opposed to he would say, let's get a filmmaker to do it, and that consequently was a big mistake because realized after the film came out they went oh okay no we need to have a bit more control of this from an outside point of view ben affleck as well you know flexing his muscles as well and going well let's do more of this and more of that and go well let's listen to these people who who have who have control over other sides of the industry not just the vision of it uh one thing that i think that would really help the dc universe is how they are planning out their story uh it seems like they're quite rushed at the moment with batman v superman you had probably three decent films in there like the fight itself could have been a standalone the whole doomsday side of things could have been a standalone film the same with suicide squad you could have had all these different films rather than two hours that's just kind of a mess especially with batman versus superman and suicide squad they're very much in the same style as Joel Schumacher's Batman films of the 90s. They oh, were throwing in far too much ingredients, not trusting the characters, not trusting the story, you know. What David Ayer wanted to do, what you can kind of see with what he wanted to do with Suicide Squad, was make a, you know, a tribute to 1970s John Carpenter films like Escape from New York mm. and have it 
really low key, really dark, really gritty, really monotone type of shoot. But <clears throat> it just had to be done in this mainstream style, which was it's, which is dated. It's you know, it, it was you know, it was outdated when Joel Schumacher did it with um, Batman and Robin. But they brought it back now, you know, fifteen years later. It's a whole lot of exposition dumped into two movies which yeah. Marvel had the luxury of doing over five or six films. They had to do in two films, and now they're going to branch out. It was always going to be a tough ask when they said they're going to start with merging them together and then branch them out. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, as we already know, the Wonder Woman film is going to be a bit of a flashback. It's set in World War One, So I'm quite interested in seeing if whether or not the Flash spin-off, whether that will be another origin film or, or, or a continuation from Justice League. It'll be quite interesting to see where they go with those solo films. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very odd to see whether they can stand on their own two feet and whether they actually embrace their own genre because the, the, the style of film that they've been uh, in has really dictated how people perceive them. So they're going to have to work very hard against that to establish their own reality. And you can see they're pushing very hard with Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman's a bit different because she had her appearance and she made such an iconic appearance. I think everyone across the the board said uh, Wonder Woman's appearance was one of the stronger elements of of Batman versus Superman. So, you know, they've really established her tone very strong in all the footage that's released. A lot of, you know, footage from, you know, the World War One era, a lot of horseback riding, a lot of, you know, period drama, old costumes and stuff like that to really establish establish Wonder Woman in a different part, time period and so then they can ease her into this modern approach, kind of like what they did with Captain America. When I first saw Captain America, First Avenger, I went, well, I don't know how Captain America is going to work in modern time because he works so well in that um, Joe Johnson, Indiana Jones-style 1940s design. But then, of course, Winter Soldier came out, well, Avengers came out and went, oh, okay, that's where he fits in. He's that fish out of water, doesn't fit in, and that was perfect. Man Out of Time was was perfect, and I think that's what they'll probably do with uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, following Wonder Woman is the Justice League film. Uh, it is the fifth film in the universe. Is it too early for a Justice League film, Rob? Um well, from what from what we've seen of the footage, again, it, it seems like a case of they're trying to catch up, aren't they? Like you yeah. said, they're, they, they're really trying to get through as many films as they can as quickly as possible to catch up with Marvel, whereas Marvel's taken their time, they've released, you know, they didn't do the Avengers until they'd gone through two Iron Man films for uh, Captain America. Um, so they've gone through about four or five films even before they attempted to do Avengers. So trying to do now in the DC world is to get through as many films as they can to get to that point where, okay, we've got everyone out there, everyone's established, good, now we can calm down and relax. So that means they're producing more films with less time and effort put into them, so the quality is going to drop. And already the style has changed completely from the little snippets they've seen of um, uh, Justice League. You know, Batman's now become wisecracking. Uh, one thing about the Justice League film that I'm actually really excited for is that they're not going in all out with Doomsday as the big bad villain. It's actually going to be Steppenwolf, who is 
in the same world, uh, I guess the same category as Darkseid, but he's a, it's a bit of a lesser ca- character, um, and I'm guessing that this will then lead into Justice League Part 2 or 2 or whatever it is to be Doomsday or Darkseid. Actually, it could be Darkseid. Um, so I'm interested in seeing how they pull that off, because Steppenwolf isn't really that big of a character. I only maybe read two comic book arcs with him in it, um, and neither of them had the big fight. So it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with, with his character as a villain. Yes, and but also Deathstroke's going to be there in some way, isn't he? I think, um, yeah, they recently teased that. I don't know if that was for Justice League or the Batman film, but um, I think either way he's going to be involved he's, in the universe. He's doing a teaser appearance or a cameo appearance in, uh, in Justice League, and then he's going to be the main focus of the villain in... Batman, because that's really interesting, because there's been a lot of talk about what's the the Batman um, standalone movie going to be about. Like, there was talks about whether they're going to do Under the Red Hood. There's other talks about him being trapped in Arkham Asylum, so it, was a, you know, it could all be in one location and bring in as many villains as possible, and now they're bringing, you know, talk about bringing in uh, Deathstroke, which is a very interesting choice. I feel like that's a really good villain for Ben Affleck to direct, though. Yeah, Deathstroke, which is quite good. It's going to be interesting to see whether or not they can top uh, the Arrow version of Deathstroke, which was really good. Which season was that? Uh, season two. Right. Yes, which was when the show peaked. <laughs> season two, <laughs> uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, after that. Although, who knows, from what I've seen of season five, it could be good. Um, that's another very interesting point. We're almost done, but one last point that I wanted to bring up was the fact that Jeff Johns has teased the multiverse with the DCEU kind of being the prime universe, and then we've got the TV universe, and that one day these two, well, technically three, I'm not entirely sure what they're going to do with Supergirl to bring her into the same universe as Flash and Arrow, because they're already... Like alternate universes, but they're on the same network now. So now yeah. the so now it's going to be interesting to see how they cross together because they've because now they're bringing in Superman. Yeah, and he's going to be finally appearing, and so it's going to be interesting whether they bring in alternate universe and merge it somehow with uh with the universe created with Flash, you know, yeah. uh, Legends of Tomorrow and um and uh, Arrow. But yes, Jeff Johns he did tease to the fact that one day in the distant future the. <laughs> The two universes may collide and then be kind of crisis on two Earths type of thing, and that is very exciting, I think. <laughs> Again, it'll, it'll be another mess of a cinematic experience. Whether it'll be a glor- glorious mess or a god-awful mess, we'll have to wait and see. To wrap up, what, what, what do you think uh, uh, DC needs to do to make their extended universe uh, thrive? I think story and characters are a massive part. Maybe take your time a little bit more with a couple of the solo films. And also, as you said, Rob, let the directors direct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, let, let Jeff Johns really establish his authority as the vision of the cinematic world. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, let those directors, you know, get their vision out there and tell the stories that they were hired for. That's it. And uh, hopefully next year things will be better with Wonder Woman. I feel like out of all of the upcoming DC films, Wonder Woman is the, the one that kind of looks like it's going to be the highlight so far. The great thing is with three underwhelming films already out there and, you know, and in their own way quite successful at the box office, 
it means that with their fourth one coming out, Wonder Woman, we don't have to establish our bar any higher than it already is. So it's quite low bar. If it is even, you know, average, it'll be something better than what we've seen beforehand. So set the bar low so you won't be disappointed in any major way. Exactly. And uh, I think that's it for this episode of Nerd Out. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for joining me, Rob. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. It's been a wonderful experience uh, spending my time with you, Sandro, and with whoever willing to invest in listening to us for a little bit. See you next time. Bye. you said that uh in a conversation once (laughs) (laughs) wow everything's picked up you can't you know (laughs) double you have to be aware of everything you say because if it is said at least once in some sort of conversation sandro will have recorded it and use it again (laughs) exactly